0: Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Breathing New Air into Improved Outcomes, Strategies to Optimize Care in Patients with Uncontrolled Asthma. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Sanofi. Hello, my name is Jennifer Hill, and I am an allergist and clinical immunologist working at Allergy Partners in Phoenix, Arizona. In this program today, we will be discussing uncontrolled asthma, and specifically, we will be looking at how we can reduce reliance on oral corticosteroids by intensifying treatment with biologics. In our first session, we'll review guideline recommendations on the use of oral corticosteroids for severe asthma, discuss the cost of oral corticosteroid overuse, and the role of biologics in reducing reliance on oral corticosteroids. While we know that oral corticosteroids can be life-saving during acute asthma exacerbations and are absolutely indicated in these acute settings, frequent oral corticosteroid use can be indicative of uncontrolled asthma. And we should only consider chronic low-dose maintenance oral corticosteroids as a last resort in these patients due to serious long-term side effects. In the real world, we unfortunately see that oral corticosteroids are overused and approximately 50% of patients who have asthma will receive at least one course of oral corticosteroids over a one year period of time. It's estimated that three in five patients with severe uncontrolled asthma have received long-term oral corticosteroids in the past and this usage can lead to significant side effects. The long-term effects of oral corticosteroids can be significant and even low-dose oral corticosteroid use can be associated with risks of potentially debilitating outcomes and mortality. It has been estimated that a mere four to five lifetime courses of oral corticosteroid can be associated with significant risks. These risks include adrenal insufficiency, hypertension, osteoporosis, loss of blood glucose control in diabetic patients, mood disturbances, and sleep disturbances. Fortunately, we have alternative therapies available to treat these patients. According to the 2023 Global Initiative for Asthma Guidelines, biologic therapy should be considered in patients who are at a Step 5 in therapy. For patients ages 6 years and above, available biologics include omelizumab, mepolizumab, and dupilumab. For patients age 12 years and above, agents may include benralizumab, tezepilumab, dupilumab, mepolizumab, and omelizumab. And those patients 18 years and up can use any of the agents depicted on this slide. I consider using biologics in patients not only when they are requiring courses of systemic corticosteroids, but in patients who are requiring high doses of inhaled corticosteroids over a period of a year or more to maintain their asthma control. While oral corticosteroids are an effective rescue medication, there are also significant cumulative risks associated with the use of systemic corticosteroids other guideline-recommended therapies may be a better option. We will discuss this more in our next session. In session two, we will examine the efficacy of approved biologics for severe asthma, including their impact on oral corticosteroid use. There are a variety of approved biologic therapies for moderate to severe asthma. Omalizumab is an anti-IgE indicated for patients with moderate to severe persistent asthma, typically of the allergic phenotype with an elevated serum IgE. Mepalizumab, Reslizumab, and Benralizumab are all anti-IL-5 agents with Benralizumab targeting anti-IL-5 receptor alpha. These medications are indicated for patients with severe eosinophilic asthma. Eosinophilic asthma is recognized as an important subtype of asthma based on a pattern of inflammatory cellular infiltrate in the airway. Eosinophilic asthma can be associated with increased asthma severity, A P, late-onset disease in some cases, and importantly, steroid refractoriness. Dupilumab is an anti-IO4 receptor alpha agent that's approved down to ages 6 years and up. It is indicated for moderate to severe eosinophilic asthma and also oral corticosteroid-dependent asthma. Tezopilumab, an anti-TSLP agent, is indicated for patients 12 years and up for severe asthma of any phenotype. Biologics, when used in moderate to severe persistent asthma, can be efficacious and can lead to reductions in the annualized exacerbation rate and also improvement in lung function in these patients. Exacerbation rates can be reduced up to 56% with available biologics. Lung function is also an important marker of disease activity in patients with moderate to severe persistent asthma and frequently monitored in the clinic. We can see a significant change in lung function sometimes as soon as 12 weeks after initiating therapy in these agents an improvement in lung function of nearly 160 mLs can be appreciated. Reducing or eliminating oral corticosteroid usage in patients can be impactful in many ways. In one sense, this can reduce healthcare utilization over time for these patients, but also can reduce the likelihood that they may experience long-term side effects, such as potential adrenal insufficiency, poorly controlled glucose, cataracts, osteoporosis, and other long-term side effects. For patients with severe persistent asthma, which remains uncontrolled, biologics can reduce exacerbations and improve lung function while decreasing the need for oral corticosteroids. It's also important to consider safety when using these medications, and that's what we will discuss next. In this session, we will review the safety profiles of approved biologics for severe asthma. Most of the reported adverse events are similar to rates in the placebo groups. These may include headache, pyrexia, abdominal pain, sore throat, arthralgias, and back pain. These side effects occur infrequently, with the most frequent side effect being injection site reactions. Overall, these medications are considered to have a very favorable safety profile with minimal concern for long-term use. There are several safety considerations for biologics. Anaphylaxis has been described with available biologics. Omelizumab and reslizumab have a higher risk of anaphylaxis than other available therapies, although this risk is felt to be low. In the event of an episode, the patient should be treated with epinephrine if appropriate, and monitored thereafter. It is recommended that patients receiving mepolizumab and rezolizumab are given an epinephrine auto-injectable device. Herpes zoster infection did occur more frequently in the clinical trials for mepolizumab. Therefore, it is recommended that patients older than 50 years of age receive vaccination four weeks prior to receiving their first injection of mepolizumab if they have not previously been vaccinated. Dupilumab can lead to transient eosinophilia in some patients. There is some concern about initiation of dupilumab in patients with a significantly elevated peripheral eosinophil count at baseline, and this should be monitored closely. Helminth infection should be excluded prior to initiation of all available biologics. If the patient is found to have a helminth infection, they should be treated prior to initiation of the medication. In the event of a hypersensitivity reaction, the medication should be discontinued. Live attenuated vaccines should not be administered during active treatment with dupilumab or reslizumab. If patients require live attenuated vaccination, these medications should be held. The safety of biologics in severe asthma are generally similar to placebo, although there are several rare and serious adverse events to consider. It is also important to understand which clinical scenarios it is safe to administer these biologics in. In the next session, we'll discuss in more detail how to identify the appropriate biologic for the appropriate patient. In this session, we will discuss strategies for selecting the appropriate biologic for managing symptoms and reducing reliance on oral corticosteroids in moderate to severe asthmatics. One should consider an add-on targeted biologic therapy in the following patient groups. Those patients with exacerbations and or poor symptom control despite optimized inhaled corticosteroid treatment, in patients who require ongoing maintenance oral corticosteroids to maintain control, as well as in patients with allergic or eosinophilic biomarkers. When selecting a biologic for a patient with moderate to severe uncontrolled asthma, several factors should be considered. These include asthma endotype and phenotype, as well as clinical biomarkers, which may be measured at the time of care. Type 2 biomarkers may include an elevated peripheral blood eosinophil count, as well as an elevated blood IgE level and evidence of ATP. Patients with T2 inflammation may also have an elevated exhaled nitric oxide and may be more likely to be oral corticosteroid dependent. Type 2 comorbid diseases are commonly seen in these patients and may include chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyposis, atopic dermatitis, and eosinophilic esophagitis. Patients with non-type 2 inflammation can also be appropriate candidates for biologic therapy. These patients may also have other comorbid diseases that can both mimic and aggravate asthma. Common asthma mimickers can include vocal cord dysfunction and gastroesophageal reflux disease, as well as COPD. Patients may also have bronchiectasis. In patients that have comorbid diseases... They may have a greater risk of poorly controlled disease as well as higher exacerbation rates. Patients who have comorbid atopic dermatitis, chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyposis, as well as eosinophilic esophagitis may be appropriate candidates for dupilumab therapy as this medication is also indicated for these comorbid conditions. Omolizumab is also approved for patients with chronic hives, as well as chronic sinus disease with nasal polyposis. is likewise approved for patients with chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyposis in addition to severe persistent asthma. As comorbid conditions are oftentimes drivers of biologic selection, it's crucial to assess these factors prior to introducing a biologic treatment. In our final session, we'll examine other important principles for transitioning to biologics and reducing reliance on oral corticosteroids and severe asthma. In session five, we'll take a closer look at principles and best practices for transitioning patients onto biologic therapies and off of oral corticosteroids. Before considering any step up in treatment, it's important to first confirm that the symptoms are due to asthma and also address common challenges. One should confirm that the inhaler is both suitable for the patient and that the patient has correct inhaler technique. Adherence is also important to address, and this may include calling a patient's pharmacy or confirming that the inhalers have been refilled. Allergen exposure can have a significant impact on patients' asthma control in those patients who are suffering from allergic asthma and have allergic triggers. Identifying and managing this allergen exposure can be an important part of their treatment regimen. Once a biologic has been introduced to the patient's treatment regimen, it's important to assess the effectiveness of the biologic therapy at regular intervals. If response is suboptimal, one may consider switching to an alternative biologic after assessing adherence and managing current comorbid conditions. Most specialists would recommend a period of at least six months on the prescribed biologic therapy before changing management. When transitioning patients to biologics and reducing or tapering their oral corticosteroid dose, it is important to regularly monitor for signs of adrenal insufficiency and also to counsel the patient that they may require extra oral corticosteroid doses or stress dose steroids within the six months after long-term oral corticosteroid cessation. It's also important to monitor patients for the emergence of conditions which may have been masked by oral corticosteroid use. These may include but are not limited to eosinophilic pneumonia and vasculitis. In summary, the major takeaway messages to recognize that even several short courses of oral corticosteroids can lead to significant long-term side effects. Be aware that there are alternative therapies available, notably biologic therapies which target allergic and eosinophilic inflammation that can be appreciated in type 2 asthma. Finally, to recognize and target comorbid conditions and asthma mimickers, which may contribute to patients' symptom burden and oral corticosteroid use. Identifying these comorbid diseases are also important as they impact biologic selection. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.